Hello, I'm John Dennis. It's Friday the 23rd of October. Today, Nick Griffin, leader of the far-right British National Party and the most successful far-right politician in British politics since Oswald Mosley in the 1930s, has taken part in the BBC's flagship political programme. Mr Straw was attacking me and I've been relentlessly attacked and demonised over the last few days. And the fact is that my father was in the RAF during the Second World War. I am not a Nazi. I never have been. So, will Griffin have come away from Television Centre happy with his performance? Or did the panel and the audience expose the weaknesses of his arguments and the hatred behind his ideology? Guardian Daily with John Dennis on guardian.co.uk With Griffin on the Question Time panel were the Justice Secretary Jack Straw for Labour, the Lib Dems Home Affairs spokesman Chris Hume, the Conservatives' Community Cohesion spokeswoman Saida Wasi, and the black American writer Bonnie Greer. We, of course, have our own panellists. Here to discuss the show are Riazat Butts, the Guardian's religious affairs correspondent. Hello, Riazat. Hello, John. Yeah, it's a bit late, isn't it? We're, we're recording this uh, in the middle of the night, uh, well, straight after the programme, actually. And Simon Woolley, um, Director of Operation Black Vote. Thanks for coming to The Guardian, Simon. Good evening. Such good evening. anti-social great, great. time as well, well. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. <laughs> um, well, The Guardian's provided some refreshments, so don't be surprised if you hear the, the odd clink of glasses. Um, well, I suppose the big question is, how did Griffin do? Riazat, what do you think? He looked like a Steve Bell cartoon. <laughs> I, was just, I was looking at him and I realised that his eyes go in different directions and it's when he gets really agitated that he comes out with all the nonsense, like, we're all Aborigines here. No, we're not, actually. And I thought he came across... He laughed a bit too much for my liking and I felt really uncomfortable when people were laughing with him rather than at him. I don't think he came across as credible. I think the people who like him will still like him. I think the people who oppose him will still be opposed to him. Simon, what do you think? Mm. Well, I suspected that it would be a bit of a a circus, and uh, I I am uh, saddened to say that it was a circus. Uh, I don't think it shed any light on how uh, odious they are, and it never, uh, I guess, got that critical uh, killer blow. Uh, that would expose the Nick Griffin and the British National Party to the to the public. So, although he didn't appear uh, fantastic, uh, I don't think that it had the desired effect. I think it belittled Question Time TV. I think that it undermined uh, the, the 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 BBC. And I think it's a lesson to be learned uh, from uh, the Liberal uh, BBC uh, that it is a delusion uh, to think that you can have that type of format. Uh, and really get to the nook and cranny of uh, really important issues. Do you think that Dimbleby gave Griffin a run for his money? I love Dimbleby. I thought he was very good. I thought he was really good, and he did pick up Griffin on a lot of points, held him to account, more so than the other panellists did. And I think the real star of the show was David Dimbleby, and I think the audience did a really good job as well. I think the panellists were a bit weak. I've never, I've never seen Dimbleby be so weak. I, I, th- I thought that he'd lost a great deal of credibility. I, I can't remember once uh, when he uh, kind of adopted a, a Paxman-type persona and said, let's have a clear answer. Actually, he did it once, but it wasn't to Griffin. It was to Jack Straw. And actually, Jack Straw had answered the question in the first place. Uh, I think that Dimbleby, in this particular issue, uh, has got too puffed up that, you know, actually that there was a general consensus. There was a general consensus that it would be a circus. But Dimbleby thought, I'll be the man that will nail Nick Griffin. He didn't. I thought it Are you watching a different <laughs> programme? 
You were watching a different programme. I thought he did a really good job in doing it. So you tell me one point. I think he did it in a way that was different to the way Paxman would have done it. I think it was non-invasive. I thought it was non-aggressive, but it made the point. When he was saying, how were you misquoted? Did you say this? You actually said this. We've seen these things. The Holocaust denial, Simon. Do you think that he got him on that? Are you saying that, you know, Dimbleby totally failed to take him to task on those things? I I don't think he totally failed. But, you know, the thing is is this, is that often when he was grilling him and he said, well, you did say this and you did say this, and then uh, Griffin would shuffle and twitch and and whatever, and then he'd move Uh, on. But, sir, Denying the Holocaust, France. Th- did you did you deny the Holocaust? I yes, did not you have did. a conviction for Holocaust denial. But you did deny it. I Why did. are you smiling? It's not I, a particularly amusing issue. I was very critical of the way in which the Holocaust was and is, in fact, mm. abused to prevent serious right. discussion over immigration. Just, just you say you're misquoted. Ethnicity. I want to see Britain become. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Ethnicity. Ethnicity. Please, ethnicity. I want to see Britain become 99% genetically white, just as she was 11 years before I was born. On race, right? Mixed marriages. It's uh, sad when a unique human genotype becomes Mm -hmm. extinct. Islam. We'll come to it later. You say you're misquoted. All I'm saying is... I can't find the misquotations, no. and it apparently nor can you. No, I, I miss- and it was, you know, it was at that juncture, you know, bearing in mind now, bearing in mind uh, the big build-up to this, bearing in mind the, the raison d'etre, you know, this will be the debate in which we expose the British National Party. That was it. That was their justification. It didn't happen. It didn't happen to the. It didn't happen to the extent. It didn't happen to the extent that most people would have wanted to unequivocally see. Nick Griffin and the British National Party for what it was. Well, the first question from the audience concerned the BNP's appropriation of Winston Churchill, prompting an impassioned defence of multiculturalism from Jack Straw. Having a multiracial society and ensuring that race-based politics has no place in our society is fundamental to the decent British values which are held by most people in this country. Do you think multiracial Britain was well served by this edition of Question Time? Well, I think the um, pans around the studio showed you that, you know, there were lots of uh, different racial and cultural elements in the audience. And I think the makeup of the panel reflected that too. Um, I th- hmm. <laughs> Simon, well, Rhea, that's yeah. mowing around. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. It's a, this is another no-brainer. Look. Uh, first and foremost, uh, this was a debate for all uh, the, the, the panellists, and yet it was wholly and solely focused on Nick Griffin. Furthermore, after they moved away from not nailing Nick Griffin, what did they move on to? Immigration. And all Nick Griffin had to do was sit back and watch the other political parties fighting for that space that they can be more, uh, I guess, odious on the, on the issue of Nick Griffin. You know, for him... He didn't have to speak at that juncture, so he just he just lapped it up at that at that point. I think when they were talking about Churchill and people were bringing in their personal stories, for example, Jack Straw talking about the names of the soldiers um, who had died fighting alongside the so you know indigenous British soldiers, and Saida Warsi talked about her own 
grandparents as well. I thought that was quite poignant. I think they were good examples to use to, you know, it didn't sound like it was empty uh, politicians' rhetoric. It sounded like it came from something real and genuine. When people said, you know, I'm contributing to this society, where do you want me to go? I think that was really relevant as well. I think you're right. I think you're right there. I mean, you know, those kind of narratives uh, were were crucially crucially important. And uh, I guess the trouble is with this is that uh, there'll be a sector out there that had watched that, that would already have an opinion uh, that Nick Griffin and the British National Party are, are racist. But there was a, there's a rump out there, there's a, at least a million people and possibly more, that, that either vote for them or like some of their views. And I, I honestly, honestly, I, I just can't, not convinced uh, that they'd be turned round by, by tonight's programme. Well, let's find out from Nicholas Watt, our chief political correspondent, how significant a step he thinks this was by the BNP into the mainstream of British politics. Well, the BNP that obviously got two uh, MEPs elected uh, in the European parliamentary elections earlier this summer really hoped that appearing on Question Time would mark the moment when Nick Griffin, their leader, and indeed their party, would enter respectable and mainstream politics. Now, my view is that they failed to do that. Uh, This was because uh, there was a very hostile reaction from members of the audience, but more significantly than that, Nick Griffin was exposed. He did a poor performance. He struggled to answer many of the questions. And I think the weakest area for him was he really, really struggled to explain how he had, in years gone by, denied the Holocaust. He liked to say he didn't, but he said, I think it was 20 years ago, that the orthodox view that six million Jews had died in the Holocaust was the same as the old orthodox view that the earth was flat. Now, he was questioned very strongly about that by David Dimbleby. He was questioned very strongly by members of the audience and his answers were weak. This is the man who says that he's up against the mainstream media that put lies to him. Well, facts were put to him and on the Holocaust he struggled. He says, I can't really say what I think on the Holocaust because I would be arrested under the European arrest warrant and taken to France or taken to Germany where Holocaust denial uh, is illegal. Jack Straw, who's the Justice Secretary, said there's nothing stopping you in this country explaining what you think and uh, don't worry, I'll sort it out so you won't be deported. And he was weak. He was weak in his response to that. And he said, well, actually, yes, I have sort of changed my mind because I've heard some radio intercepts and those radio intercepts showed that many Jews were slaughtered on the Eastern Front, to which Jack Straw said, you do not need radio intercepts to tell you about Auschwitz, which was, of course, the Nazi extermination camp uh, in German-occupied Poland, which you can visit to this day, and the evidence there is irrefutable. But so, has this has this been a catastrophic week for the BNP, as Jack Straw claims? Well, Jack Straw says it's catastrophic. Uh, I'm not sure that I would uh, go that far, because uh, Nick Griffin had an audience. We don't know what the figures are, but I would imagine it would 4 million people listen to what he said. But I certainly don't think that they've achieved the great propaganda goal that they'd wanted 
wanted to achieve. And I think that Peter Hayne, the Welsh Secretary, who obviously has 30 to 40 years of anti-apartheid and anti-fascist uh, activity under his belt, I think he's been proved wrong. Peter Hayne was saying this will be respectability for, for, for Nick Griffin. Well, what it was, was he was put on the spot. The facts were put to him. The quotes were put to him for what he said. And he struggled and he, he buckled and he was unable to withstand the pressure of being in the political mainstream. Nicholas Watt. My name's John Dennis. I'm with Riazat Bat and Simon Woolley. Um, Simon, Jack Straw was pressed on Labour's handling of immigration, as you've mentioned, and whether it's helped the BNP. Uh, Baroness Rossi said he was in denial. I mean, this was a, a fair um, point to bring up, though, wasn't it, given La- some of Labour's rhetoric as well? Gordon Brown talking about British jobs and British wa- workers well, and well, so on. Well, as I said, this was a manner from heaven. Uh, for for Griffin, because, you know, uh, none of the panellists at that juncture uh, began to talk about immigration in the positive. None of the panellists said, hold on a second, Uh, we had many, many years of boom uh, in which Eastern Europeans came here to do many of the jobs on on the cheap. Nobody talked about the immigration, uh, the post-war immigration, although, to to be fair to Jack Straw, he did mention uh, my parents' generation that came here after the war to rebuild it. But, you know... It wasn't enough to to talk about it in the in the positive, and so uh, when you heard uh, Saida Vasi uh, and others, then it began on the negative. Well, you know, people do feel that there's a that we're being swamped and whatever. So again, it was on Griffin's terrain, and uh, I, I think that is such a disservice to the discussion, and uh, as I said, uh, an own goal uh, for for those fighting fighting the BNP. I think it was really badly handled. I think the issue of immigration shouldn't have come into it. I think they should have said, do you think the success of the BNP has something to do with the MPs' expenses scandal? Because I think that's what it was. On the ride over here, I talked to my taxi driver about this and he said, oh, people are disillusioned with the main... You should have got him in the studio. <laughs> He'd be much better. Um, he said that people were disillusioned with the main political parties. You can, you know, no one can tell them apart. They don't stand for anything anymore. And it was a protest vote. And I think nobody said that. Nobody talked about expenses. That, that was quite strange, actually, wasn't that it? That was just really... But, but the, the whole thing... the, the whole, biggest political story the, of the year and the, nobody mentioned the, it. The BNP's whole shtick is about change, though, isn't it? About ch- the change from the sort of political establishment. And the, Simon, you mentioned that all the panellists were, were, as Griffin predicted, he predicted it was going to be a political blood sport. They did all gang up on it him. Did. And that's exactly what he wanted. It's exactly what he wanted. Because, of course, we, we know that he's odious and we, we know we've got views of it, but it's how it's perceived. It's how it's perceived... Uh, to to those corners of the UK that have been let down by the political establishment, you know, uh, the question was asked why are people voting for them, and one of the one of the reasons that the political uh, panel panelist never touched upon uh, was the lack of investment in in those areas, and in the lack of investment in that poverty stricken uh, environment, the BNP could easily fill in that vacuum and uh, blame others for for that for that deprivation uh, it, it's it's i guess it was uh, predictable that 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 might happen and and that's why people like myself have have said yes uh, put the bmp on the bbc uh, uh, but have the right environment so that they can be thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly challenged. So again, it's the format, really, that was the problem with this with this thing. Not a problem about Griffin appearing on the BBC, but the format just didn't didn't lend itself to any proper scrutiny. Well, you'd have to ask yourself. You know, we we, we spoke before, and you said, "What was uh, what what uh, light 
what knowledge that came out of, uh, of this, this program. We all got excited about it. It's been written, copious amounts uh, have been written about it. And, and afterwards you say, well, uh, what more do we know? So some of the strange, uh, stranger aspects of this discussion I found quite fascinating. I mean, you know, he's from the fringes of British politics. And Ria, you mentioned this strange stuff about the Aborigines, but there was also a bizarre reference to, to the Lake District at one point. I don't know what, oh, it, what yeah. all that was you about. Know, apparently people and, like me are stopping <laughs> the indigenous English population it's you. Walking. It's you. And 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 the uh, and, it, and all that discussion about the indigenous race was just completely bonkers, wasn't it? It is. But I think again, if you're like me and you think the BNP are bonkers anyway, you're not going to come away thinking any different. No, no. But it does. It does, It is interesting to see all that craziness on on a sort of mainstream political. Exactly. Program. I expected him. We to can start see hear more about of that creationism and you know flat Earth and. Uh, you know what? I, I, How the moon is made out of cheese. What, what I what I uh, didn't know uh, before before tonight was his association with Abu Hamza. No, I was interested in that. Was that? No. Let's hear that. Actually, that's Baroness Varsi. She mentioned that. Um, he's obviously Mr. Griffin is obviously a confused man uh, because on the one hand he says that he doesn't um, abide by and believe in lots of values that he attributes quite wrongly to Islam. Um, and yet uh, it was Mr Griffin who was on the front cover of a magazine along with Colonel Gaddafi, Ayatollah Khomeini and Louis Farrakhan and himself calling himself the New Alliance. Um, it was also Mr Griffin who shared a platform with Abu Hamza. Mm -hmm. Many of you may know him as Captain Hook. Most Muslims think he's some nutter from the East End of London uh, and therefore not even part of the faith of Islam. And yet uh, Mr Griffin considers him to be a sheikh, i.e. a learned scholar, and he believes that he and Abu Hamza have similar views. And, and you know, I just thought that was astonishing because uh, here he is demonising demonizing, uh, Muslims and Islam, what did he say? That it's a wicked uh, religion. Uh, and uh, those that propagated the most wickedness within that religion, uh, he's standing shoulder to shoulder with them. I mean, and again, why wasn't he challenged? Uh, why wasn't that unpicked and scrutinized uh, that said, actually, uh, Mr. Griffin, actually, you caught wickedness uh, because you know that it serves your end. And let off the hook again. Simon, do you think that this whole thing might have had one positive effect, and that's it might prompt young people, other people as well, who, who are opposed to racism and fascism, and uh, it might prompt them to register to vote and, and, you know, get involved in politics. Well, you know, that's, that's my gig, uh, the, the, the democratic, uh, democratic process, the democratic participation. And uh, again, it wasn't touched upon within, within this debate. Actually, the British National Party never increased their vote during the European election. It was because people stayed away. You know, the idea that, they, that, they're, that they're on the rise, that they're a force to be reckoned with, actually needed to be questioned. The reason why that they gained the two seats uh, during the European election not was because they increased uh, their support, it's because people stayed at home. What people, I hope, those that stayed at home that, that are clearly not racists uh, will say to themselves, well, actually, if we uh, got off our backsides and exercised our democratic franchise, we wouldn't be having this debate. Labour's Peter Haynes said that the BBC had handed the BNP a massive Christmas present, uh, Riazat, and that was put to the panel by a member of the audience. Uh, now you've seen the programme, are you glad that it went ahead? I think it needed to go ahead. I mean, Nick Griffin has appeared on Today and there wasn't such a fuss. And I think some politicians took advantage of the programme to say this is disgraceful. And it seemed to be more of a judgment on the BBC than it did on 
Nick Griffin. I'm glad it went ahead. I think people are now debating who the BNP is and what they stand for, even if they weren't doing it on question time itself. But there's been plenty of coverage and analysis. And I think more people will be going to YouTube, more people will be going to the BNP website, actually looking at the policies, seeing, oh my gosh, this is what they stand for. This is what they believe. And I really hope that if anything comes of this, that people are just a bit more aware of the political system. Mm. I mean, I, I wish it hadn't have gone ahead. I wish it would have gone ahead in a different format in which it could have been thoroughly uh, scrutinised. Uh, but, uh, but I do uh, share your views uh, that uh, uh, having seen him, that people want to, will want to know more. And if they do, and if they do, and they look at these things, then maybe they say, you know what, it really is an odious, an odious character. But, you know, we need to have a reality check because... Uh, all this, all this, uh, this deluge of publicity uh, over the last few weeks has only given rise for the support for the BNP in the opinion polls. Uh, you know, so a lot of people say there's there's no such thing as bad publicity. So Nick Griffin may say, you know what, I didn't do fantastic, but with my uh, core of supporters and uh, and wavering bigoted supporters, uh, they may think I was bullied enough. Uh, to, to to support me next time. I hope not. I hope it's I hope it's Razette's uh, uh, assertion that people will find out who they really are. I was really heartened by the age and demographic of the audience. They looked young-ish. They weren't old. I don't know what your definition of old is, but I thought they looked young enough. They looked savvy enough. They looked smart enough. There was enough political protest outside. And the BBC, you know, is an institution which we supposedly own. We pay our taxes, our licence fees towards the BBC. Now, that money is going to be used to give these Nazis a platform from which they can propagate their racist, sexist, homophobic views to, like, the whole of the country, to the whole of the world, off the back of our money. Now, there's black, Jewish, you know, like, gay people um, who, who pay licence fees towards the BBC, and we don't want our money to be used to give a platform to these fascists, and that's why we're here demonstrating today. You know, these people will try to use democracy to smash democracy. That's what Hitler did, and that's what Nick Griffin and the BNP want to do, and that's why we, we don't want to extend the same freedoms to them. So I don't think my license fee to the BBC should be spent on somebody like Nick Griffin to, to spew all his race hate about Jews, Muslims, Africans, Caribbean people. We pay our dues to this country and we have every right to live here in peace. That's why I'm here today. The BBC is part of the very fabric of this nation, okay? And um, the BBC condoning the British National Party by giving them a platform. What's that saying to the rest of the country? It's missing the big picture. And the essence of this is just, it's wrong. It's wrong. The, the publicity the uh, BNP have got has been done by the BBC. And your columnist Gary Young put it very, very well today that uh, this is the BBC's doing. They've allowed them the oxygen of publicity. 
Jack Straw, who won't talk to Muslim women, is prepared to talk to a fascist. And I think this demonstration is not only an important demonstration, it's absolutely necessary if we're going to make it really clear that these people have no democratic legitimacy whatsoever. The difference between them and every other political party in this country is that they want to destroy democratic rights, they want to destroy trade unions, they want to destroy all those things. And that is what we're here demonstrating for today. If Dimbleby had been any harder, if he had been more aggressive, if it had been a different format, then Nick Griffin would have come across as a martyr. And that's actually worse. Because then people feel sorry for him and people say, well, he's being victimised. He wasn't treated fairly. And then that could have actually worked in their favour a bit more, I think. Rears that. Many thanks for joining us. Simon Woolley, many thanks for joining us. Our producer today was Phil Maynard. My name's John Dennis. Thanks for listening.